1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast at your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. Uh, My name is Jordan Levine, Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my friend and partner in crime, Oscar Way, the master of the numbers. Oscar, welcome back. Hey, thank you. Thank you, everyone, uh,
0: for joining us and listening in to our podcast. We do have a lot of things to
1: cover, Jordan man there has been a lot that's happened it's been a little bit of a bigger gap than a normal i think as far as our podcast go but we wanted to drag our feet a little bit because we knew there was so much happening this week and of course we're um you know in the in the week where the fed just raised rates again so we're going to talk a little bit about that and it's nice because we also got some gdp data so we can kind of overlay some of that broader economic context onto what the fed's doing and then of course we'll kind of bring it home To the housing market, talk a little bit about our numbers, which we just put out, uh, you know, the kind of midway point of the year. So we've got some June data in and we know what the first six months looks like. And we can talk about what's going on with uh, mortgage rates in the wake of the Fed stuff and also just some of those broader housing indicators, particularly new construction, which had been on a tear, um, but seemed to have taken a, a bit of a a step back recently, but but first and foremost, I think, and and this kind of proceeds logically in in my view. Uh, but it probably makes sense to talk about the Fed and interest rates, right? Because the, we're now at the the highest that we've been, I think, in in decades, going all the way back to the 70s. If I'm if I'm not wrong on that.
0: Yeah, it is, it is like 22 year high. uh, And, you know, but, but let's, let's, uh, you know, face it. I think last time when we had our podcast, and, you know, in between, people probably have been thinking that, you know, have been giving some thoughts on the Fed Funds rate, they probably knew that it's going to be raised, because I think last time when we had the uh, Fed Funds, at the FOMC meeting, they didn't announce or mention that, okay, well, we were pausing it this time, but next time or, you know, for the rest of the year, there is a chance that we may raise by 50 basis point. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people think that it's going to be 50 basis point, you know, just this time at the uh, July FOMC meeting, um, but a 25 basis point seems like uh, it's anticipated.
1: Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, I'm, you know, luckily we saw this coming a mile away. And I think we told you in our last podcast that we thought we'd get another 25 basis points. I think we said that right in March when Mm -hmm. that that announcement um was was made and and ultimately you know inflation has come down but i think they really want to wait until it's all the way down before they really take their foot off the gas he even indicated that you know they're they're not against doing another one down the road so even um you know back in march when they signaled that they might do 50 basis points like nothing even with the great inflation numbers and things like that and i think this kind of um speaks to some of the macro data that we'll talk about in a second, but you know, that's still kind of on track, it seems like, as far as, as Jay Powell is is concerned in terms of potentially um or at least a willingness to raise rates if he has to, he isn't scared off. And and although inflation's moving in the right direction, there's still a lot of stickiness that might make that last mile on inflation. You know, the hardest probably to to come off, I'm doing the same thing with my weight right now, you know, it's like the first <laughs> 20 pounds like melts off, but then it's like that last five pounds is like, you know, you got to like work for ages. And I think, you know, when you look at wage growth and and even service sector spending, you know, it's like uh, the GDP data was driven mostly by, or at least on the consumer side of the equation, by service spending. And, and you know, we're still going out to the bars and restaurants and all that, even if we're not out there buying cars and TVs and fridges anymore more.
0: So, yeah, I I think you know you're right. Um you know it's good that you we have the GDP number uh Came out just right after the you know the Fed decision because it kind of justified a little bit of what the Feds have in mind because well on one hand of course we have been seeing some slowdown on inflation but you know the GDP number actually is, uh, they, they show a very strong number. But going back a little bit on the uh, Feds' decisions. They did make mention that okay well this is this may or may not be they they want to leave yeah. it open. They may or may not be the last one that they will have you know for the rest of the year. I think we do have what three more FOMC meetings um and then of course um they are it's always data driven they have been saying that it's data driven and there are a lot of reports that will come out you know between now and the next meeting in September and so you know there's a chance that they they could you know uh, raise rates again even uh, in September or maybe November or so depending on when they think you know the the rate is going to be the rate is right but going back to what you said GDP number you know yes, people are still going to you know service uh, bars, restaurants, but it looks yeah. like you know the good sector, the, the, like the uh, consumer spending seems to be slowing a little bit, even though it's still pretty solid.
1: Right. We're not buying as much stuff. I think when you look at all of the consumer spending growth that's been driven, not just recently, but you know for the last couple of quarters by the service sector. It's funny, when we were stuck in our homes during the shutdown, it was all goods spending. <laughs> we couldn't get enough goods. We were buying stuff online. We were paying a boatload of money for used cars, right, and and TVs and all of that stuff and laptops. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as we were allowed to go out of our house, you know, it seems like it, it shifted pretty dramatically in the bars, the hotels, you know, all these service sector entertainment uh, spending all went through the roof. But even there, I think we're starting to see some moderation. And actually, even though, you know, the headline GDP number, which I think they just put out This morning or last night? This um, morning, yeah. Yeah. And it showed the economy actually expanded at a faster clip than we did even in the first quarter. And actually, the first quarter was even better than initially reported. But if you kind of drill under the surface of that number a little bit, it's, you know, a big part, which was, you know, admittedly a little bit surprising to me, is the business investment is really what was driving most of the growth this time around. We still had service spending, but we're not buying as much quote unquote stuff. Anymore like physical goods, but um, business spending came to the rescue, particularly equipment and software and kind of building capacity, which I'm um I'm I wouldn't be surprised to see that number get revised eventually, honestly. But uh, but all in all, a fairly strong number, and I think why the fed you know was kind of prudent or or at least in their mind justified in doing this last rate hike because you know even though inflation has come down a lot the economy is still growing it beat expectations the job market is still very strong and and unemployment is still very low and most importantly the wage side of of the labor market is still uh, growing, and I think you know ultimately they they want uh, they want the economy to slow down a little bit so they can have that confidence that inflation is well and truly in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean if you
0: look at the number you know that was released uh, today, the two point four percent you know GDP growth rate it's uh, higher than the expectation. I think the expectation is somewhere around two percent or maybe one point eight percent or so, which still is a pretty solid number. But a 2.4% is a very strong number. And I agree with you that, you know, some revisions probably will be made. Now, keep in mind, uh, a lot of listeners may, may or may not know that, you know, this is just a first or advanced estimate, and then we will have two more estimates uh, before the next uh, Q3 number goes out, uh, comes out. But uh, 24 is pretty strong, and uh, I think it has something to do with also, you know, business equipments and, and buildings, as you mentioned. But the... Um, the uh, the fact that you know as far as you know personal saving rate is concerned it actually has come down or actually has stabilized a little bit even though it's stabilized a little bit it, we are seeing that you know maybe um, even though the very last month I think in June we have wage growth exceeding inflation uh, but you can see that it's still um, in at least April or May or so you know the wage growth was behind inflation people are still feeling it even though they're a little bit more confident at the same okay. time Yeah, at the same time, I think, you know, last couple months, uh, when you look at the business confidence, small small business owners and other uh, business confidence of the CEOs, they seem to show that, you know, they're a little bit more confident than before. So maybe that's the reason why we're seeing business spending a little bit higher.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because a reporter called me and asked me this the other day. Do you think we've kind of averted a technical recession? And I've kind (laughs) of been on the fence. We are, you know, forecast was for a quote unquote, um, very modest recession. Um, And but I've always said, you know, even even if we don't meet the technical definition, we should expect the rate of growth to to slow as we move forward. Is that still on track? I mean, a lot of those headwinds that we talked about are still in place, but I guess I'm just, you know, in some ways the labor market has remained so much more robust. Do you think we still get a technical recession? Do you think the economy even slows or have they just kind of threaded the needle perfectly? What are your thoughts there? Well, I think, you know, uh, uh, even a few weeks ago before this GDP
0: com- uh, number com- uh, came out, Um, We believe that, you know, it may be slowing. You know, we we may see we may still see a mild recessions, but a lot of economists have already adjusted their their odds of, you know, whether we're going to see a soft landing. But with this GDP report came out, um, I think, you know, the adjustment on odds of whether we're going to see a soft or uh, going to recessions uh, is actually even smaller. But having said that, I think there are some headwinds, as you mentioned. Um, a couple of things, like if interest rate continues to stay at six, six and a half percent, that means we probably will have uh, a lot of those big ticket items, um, auto uh, vehicles and, and uh, appliances and all these other big ticketed, ticket, ticket items actually going to probably slow even more in the third quarter. But also remember, um, you know, of course, that student loan, a uh, resume payment thing Um we could actually possibly see, you know, uh, student uh, uh, people who own student loans actually start paying money uh, in October or so. So that might take out a chunk of money, you know, from consumer spending. So I do believe that, you know, third quarter we probably will continue to see. There's a good chance um, that we may actually see a slowdown in. Um, the GDP, maybe in the fourth quarter, maybe actually seeing, you know, yeah. it in the red. But, of course, its view is still very premature to say that we are going to see a recession. But I still I'm I'm on the fence like you. I don't completely believe that we have avoided a recession. Um, and there are also a lot of different risks, you know, uh, yeah. you know, financial market and uh, of course you- out there there are a lot of things that we, we we need to take into consideration. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, noise out there. But as of now, it looks like, you know, we might have, but I wouldn't rule that out uh, completely.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we may end up avoiding kind of the some of the more dire prognostications that have come out. We've never expected it to be very dire anyway, right? I think even when we were... Forecasting a recession, our GDP was like down by less than a percent or something like that, right, right, right. Um, for the year as a whole. So we were never forecasting a big one. But it is kind of encouraging when you look at that GDP number that even though it was, you know, a big chunk was business investment, there was several cylinders that started firing government spending, right? Mm -hmm. We saw, um, you know, non-residential structures too. So they weren't just building capacity with equipment and stuff like that. They were actually out um, building facilities, which is, again, CMBS delinquencies, rising commercial vacancies are going up and rents are going down, but um, we'll, we'll take it at at right. this point. so um and and ultimately even under the surface of the GDP number that's the primary place they you know get the that they being the fed get their preferred measure of inflation which as you said um, was up by less than 3% for the first time in a long time and actually showed a pretty stark improvement even from um, the first quarter when it was 4%. So whether you're looking at CPI or PCE deflator, inflation is trending uh, in the right direction. I think at least in part that has to be due to um, this kind of cooling of spending at least on stuff, right? We talked about how the service sector is still kind of running strong, Um and, and I know the overall headline retail sales number was up a little bit even in June. Um, but once you adjust for inflation, you know, the re- retail sales have been trending um, a lot weaker than they have been over the previous year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you're right. You know, a lot weaker is the right word, Uh, but I do believe that it's still positive. Now, before we talk a little bit about you know retail sales going moving forward in July, I want to add a couple, uh, one more thing to the GDP number. The residential investment, uh, even though you know it's been dipping and it's uh, continued to dip for the ninth consecutive month, I think we it may actually look a little bit better in um, the third quarter, uh, because now we have already heard your news about okay, well it looks like, you know, there are new housing starts. Uh, we have uh, see, we are seeing a little bit more construction spending, even though it may not be a, a, a significant jump, but we're seeing a little bit more positive uh, on the construction spending side. So there might be a, a, a bit more um, news or a little a brighter outlook on the residential investment in the third quarter. Uh, of course, I, I think it's still going to be pretty soft, but not but it may be a positive, but we'll see how that goes, you know, in terms of residential spending. But now the retail size of it, yeah. as you mentioned, um, something to, uh, worth noticing, which we don't know whether it's going to um, it's whether it means it will be a good July is, you know, we have the Prime Day from Amazon and they claim that it's the biggest sales uh,
1: they have in a company's history. So that might be some good news absolutely and i i'm proud of myself for showing incredible <laughs> discipline um during prime day but uh you know ultimately i think it it kind of comes back to just this broader economic piece right because even though and we've talked about the main drivers of spending um have been i would say dubious how much we can rely on them going forward just because savings rates have come down and credit card debt has risen a lot, but ultimately most people that want to work are still employed. And, and Mm -hmm. if you look at our, our weekly update or, or our environmental scan, you, you know, we, We talked about just how tight the labor market still are. Wages are still going up, right? We still have a very low level of unemployment, even though it's not at that kind of all-time low level that we hit. Um, Last year, we're less than 5%. The number of unemployment claims is still very low. Even in June, right, we added in California another 12,000 net jobs with pretty broad-based growth. And that's why even as, you know, savings have come down and credit card debt is high, like you said, the nominal spending number is still up, right? We're still buying stuff, and folks haven't, you know, taken a huge hit economically at this point. It was more just a question of how much gas was left in the tank to to kind of maintain um, that momentum. But there's not really a lot of dire economic stuff. Even with the bank failures and the tech layoffs and all of that stuff that's been so highly publicized, um, for the most part, the economy continues to kind of exceed expectations. Actually
0: yeah I, I you know if you look at how it compares to you know just uh you know pre-pandemic level um, and pre-pandemic level during you know, 2020 2021 and 2022 we have been actually you know growing um a bit more than uh, than before than the pre-pandemic uh era but if you look at that, uh, real retail sales compared to um, early 2020, it's still up about you know nine percent or ten percent or so. If you account for, if you don't account for uh, inflation, it's actually up quite significantly by about thirty percent. So, you know, it's it's you know we're still spending, consumers still spending. Yes, in saving personal saving is down, but I think. If we don't have all those wild cards that we mentioned earlier, of course, wild cards are wild cards, you know, something that we cannot expect. Um, We could, even though it's going to be a softer quarter and third and fourth, I think
1: we should be just fine. Yeah, me too. So I think, and and actually, you know, consumers feel like that too. (laughs) Again, if you look at the consumer confidence numbers, they shot through the roof. Um, last month. And I think it, it comes down and and in some ways kind of mirrors what's going on in the business optimism stuff for businesses. And like you said, CEOs are more confident. And I think even the bond market, right? You saw this kind of 3% CPI number, and then now mm-hmm. this 3% CPE number, um, and everybody thinks it's time to jump into the treasury market again before rates start coming down and and values go up on the secondary market. And I think you see that amongst consumers because they're feeling good about right now and they're also feeling good about next year.
0: Yeah, and they don't feel that they are, you know, having a tough time finding a job. (laughs) It's only about 10% who believe that,
1: you know, it might be tough to find a job, which is, you know, a very low number. Yeah, exactly. And, And, you know, again, I think this kind of points to that, that soft landing potential, right? Where even as we're kind of running out of steam, we're still employed, we're still feeling relatively good that the future is gonna be um, bright. And that might be enough to just kind of keep us from from kind of hunkering down too hard as we move into um, the the future. Obviously people are still kind of all eyes on the Fed and scared of higher interest rates um and all of that stuff but even kind of optimism on home buying i think went up in the latest consumer sentiment stuff
0: yeah now of course you know we have we have to you know now that we have talked about you know the 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 bright side of the economy of course we may we may never have to tone it down a little bit when we talk about the housing market a little bit i mean let's face it you know high interest rates is affecting um the uh, the the sales but at the same time Tight supply also is a major factor that's actually slowing
1: down our sales. So let's talk about, you know, the June sales number. Absolutely. And, and on the one hand, I remain encouraged, right? Because this kind of at a very high level, we basically maintain the rebound that we've had since November when the market fell to 235,000 units plus or minus, they did kind of go down. A bit in June from where they were in May, we have a revised pace of almost 290,000 units um, back in May, and that dipped to 277 and some change in June, but you know we're still kind of hanging out in that uh, 280,000 unit range which again is is nothing to write home about but it does kind of represent some pretty you know solid progress from when the market was really uh at at bottom again it's still difficult out there for our members cuz we're now looking at almost a year straight i think 9 months in a row where we've been below 300,000. And if you go back just 12 or 18 months, we were still running like a 450,000 unit pace or so. Um, You know, that was obviously almost a 15 year high, I think, like a 12 year high a few years ago. Uh Um, But, you know, uh, it is still a pretty lean environment, but I do get the sense out there that buyers are becoming less and less the problem. Folks have kind of adjusted to that initial shock and realized like, you know, 6% rate isn't terrible by historical standards and, and kind of adjusting to, well, if this is where rates are and prices are now going up and sales are going up and the market's getting more competitive then it is what it is. And kind of, um, jumping in, but you know we are still at a fairly um, depressed level that I kind of blame more and more on on the lack of supply rather than the lack of buyers. Even though rates are pretty high, the other thing that I think we should just talk people through because you know on a year to year basis we are still down about twenty percent, nineteen point seven percent, but that's actually good compared to where we've been, right?
0: Yeah, I mean if you look at the year over year percent change, it is a
1: the smallest, you know, in um since May 2022. Um Correct. now of we course, were dropping part- by 50% or something like that prior to being only dropping by 20, I think, you know, kind of again underscores or maybe supports this idea that the market has kind of found that bottom.
0: Yeah, and I and I believe, you know, it's it's uh the supply side is a major factor. It's mm. true. You know, people, I mean, 7% or 6.5% interest rate, it is still high compared to, let's say, a year ago or two years ago. But um, I think the it's it's all about, you know, what they think is going to happen, you know, in the upcoming months. You know, if they think, well, uh, 6% is still going to be here, 6.5% is still going to be here, you know, three, four, six months down the road. Then you know, should I wait? I mean I probably shouldn't wait, right. but so the question is, of course, do I have the financial means to do so, and if I do, am I finding the right home? And if they do, then you know it it might be a good time to to jump in, and a lot of people do, but the supply side is a different story. I mean, yeah. sellers or homeowners continue to hold on to that property because you know they don't want to just give up their three percent three and a half percent. Now, how long they're going to be able to do that, that's a question.
1: Yeah, and I mean, life events are still out there happening. I'm, like, grappling with this on a personal level um, myself. You know, I've got a great low rate on my house right now, and I guess the other wild card is fire insurance, which we didn't talk about, but my insurance just – tripled again for the second year in a row. I went from a thousand to three thousand to ten thousand. Um and and you know I'm thinking about even with my amazing rate, I've got personal circumstances happening. I've got increased cost of maintaining homeowners insurance. And so there will be more inventory I think in in the future as you know people come to grips with this reality and and things like that. But you know, the inventory is just such a huge problem because even if I dump this house, you know, I looked at my price range and I think in my town of 70,000 people or how many ever live here, you know, there's like six homes available for sale <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, our, our, we're kind of up against it when it comes to even buyers who are willing to trade out of their low rate loan and go get a new home, well, if there's nothing to buy, it's, you know, that's just yet another factor, uh, kind of keeping you in place. But I think if mortgage rates go down later this year, next year, the other thing to keep in mind, I saw Glenn Kelman, I think said, uh, in an article recently that there is still a decent chunk of people that are in adjustable rate mortgages, right. That'll eventually Mm want to refi out of those or sell. But until then, You know, all of the signs point to a market that's getting tighter and tighter and more competitive and buyers are kind of losing that opportunity that, you know, maybe was a little bit stronger in November and December when the market was really at bottom back there because we've now had prices that are above. 800,000 for three months in a row prices are still down compared to the all-time high of last year, but by the smallest margin that we've seen since rates started going up, we're like very close to punching back into positive territory. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the median price, although our annual forecast is for price to be down for the year as a whole, go back earlier this year, we were down by double digits. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them hit positive territory by the end of the year, that's you know, and then when you put it all together, it'll be that kind of mid-single digit decline that we that we forecast. But the market is going up and getting more competitive every day. It seems like.
0: Yeah, I think it will be up, you know, on a year-over-year basis for price, and and the reason why, and I'm glad that you know we we kind of start talking about prices uh, because you know part of the reason why people were not buying you know earlier a uh, year ago or six months ago or seven months ago was. You know, they were concerned, okay, well, our price is going to go down significantly. Yeah. Now they see that, okay, well, prices are not going to go down. They're leveling off. So the market is not crashing. It is actually doing okay because of supply being tight. So they come to the realization, a lot of buyers come to the realization that, okay, well, you know, it is going to be what it is. You know, we have to look at interest rates to see how things are going to pan out and, you know, whether we can afford or not. And yeah. supply, on the other hand, is not really going down that much or or going up that much you know if it goes up at all it's going to be it has been eaten up by some of the increase in demand that we've seen so yeah. i think you know um uh, now when we go by seasonality usually of course after may june or july or so we might see some slowdown in price but on a year-over-year yeah. basis yeah i think we are going to see some improvement in price compared to last year so i think you know um I wouldn't necessarily say um, people might have already missed their chance because there have, you know, they have you know lower price probably coming up in um, in in uh, September, October or so just because of seasonality. And um, hopefully, you know, we do think that I think interest rate could slow down a little bit maybe in the fall. Yeah, um, that might create a, a situation or opportunity for buyers.
1: I think so. And I think you even see buyers now kind of shifting into a marry the house, date the rate kind of a mentality. I mean, I'm trying to buy something now just for all the reasons that I mentioned. And that's kind of the mode that I'm in, find something that I really like, and that I can kind of hang out in long-term, make sure that I can afford it at today's um, relatively high rates, right? And if rates go down to five or 6%, Um, then all the better for me in a year or two and I can refi that down. But in the meantime, you know, find something that's going to work well for my family and my new life, you know, changes and all of that. And I think we'll start to see this kind of shock factor, um, Wear off. And and like I said, as rates come down a little bit, the lock in effect will be lessened. People's arm loans will run out and they'll want to refi or move. People are going to want to pay off credit cards and they're not going to want to get a HELOC. So they might decide to sell. There's still a lot of migration happening and things like that. So I do think, you know, we're probably close to rock bottom for for inventory. I mean, when you look at what's going on to the MLS, it's hard to imagine it getting any worse than what it <laughs> is uh, right now, because we're not putting anything on. And and I do think part of it was psychological. And just like you said, waiting for the foreclosure crisis that just doesn't seem to be materializing, right? And, and all the indicators pointing that it's not 2008 all over again, as you know, hopefully, we've already done a good job of of beating that into the ground for you guys, that, that is not the case. But but I think buyers are starting to come around uh as well. And again, from a historical standpoint, I think having parents that remember 13, 15, 18% interest rates helps you, you know, realize that things aren't as as kind of terrible um, as they are. What about this fire insurance though Just really quick, you know, I know this is kind of not something that we had on the on the agenda. But that is another one of these kind of wild cards, like the financial markets or the banking sector or commercial real estate, right? Because there doesn't seem to be any immediate solutions to the fact that they're, you know, becoming less available and more expensive unless you live like in a big urbanized area
0: yeah I I think you know the wild card fire insurance is definitely a wild card now if you ask asking economists if you ask asking people in the industry you know what's going to happen with fire uh, insurance now right now i think the mentality for many buyers or many people who are in a market shopping right now it may not necessarily be you know their 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 number one concern because they're concerned about interest rate but I think that that's going to kick in because you know we just we just had you know two three major companies pull out of you know California so, State Farm and um, Allstate pulling out of California. Now, even though, you know, we still have quite a few uh, insurance companies in California, um, if you listen to, you know, the the podcast or webinar yesterday, there are still a lot, a uh, hundred companies uh, selling uh, property insurance, but at the same time, not all of them are actually very, uh, very many of them actually do not uh, cover all property types. So right. that actually could lead to, Higher insurance uh, cost on a monthly basis. Uh, in some cases, three, four hundred. It could be a uh, thousand right. per month. So you know it could definitely uh, lead to a housing affordability issue. The other side of it also is. You know, when people perceive that or current homeowners perceive that it may be, you know, it may be uh, tough to buy insurance, they could actually also lead to some of them holding on to their property and not selling until, you know, a little later. Um, so there's two sides of it. But the yeah. other one that's actually, um, you know, affect the most is, of course, uh, first time buyers, first time yeah. buyers. Now you can say, and I wouldn't do that, but you know, a lot of homeowners, if they have all cash and they don't have to actually go through getting mortgages, you can say, "Hey, I'll be bold and not have insurance at all." Now that only covers, you know, even if you think that way, your know, all cash right. buyers is about what 30 percent. Right. The other side, you know, seventy percent of the people they need insurance because of mortgages that they have uh, in, at home or, or on their home. And that applies to first time bars even more because 95% of first time bars actually have a mortgage. So, you know, it's going to have an impact. How big of an impact? I think we have to wait and see, you know, how big an insurance uh, premium uh, search is going to be in the upcoming year.
1: Yeah, I think so too. You know, there's just so many facets to this. And I think, you know, on the one hand, a lot of people are focused on the transactional side, right? Like that this is maybe potentially submarining deals out there because you qualify for the house, you find a house that you like, you even get your offer accepted, and then you get this exorbitant um, insurance quote or can't find anybody that's even willing to write you a policy and you got to go on fair or something like that, meaning that you can't close the deal. So we're already in a low transaction environment. And this like threatens some of the transactions that maybe would have otherwise, you know, gone through. But I think, you know, another big piece is, is not just the writing of new, policies right but there's a lot of existing homeowners getting non-renewal notices and you know having to scramble and seeing the cost of their insurance go up and I just think up until this point we haven't really internalized the the cost I mean you talked about you know all of the at the at the insurance commissioner's webinar um, yesterday where we talked about all of the things that they're doing we can you know harden homes you can get certified as like a wildfire ready, or I, I, you know, there are some specific designations that you can get. And they were saying, you know, that, that getting one of these wildfire designations could potentially bring your premium down, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, by five to 10% or something like that, which, you know, for people whose premiums have tripled quintupled, right. And the other thing, you know, is on the multifamily side on the investment property side, because these HOAs are going to get hit, with the same cost of insurance and so they can either you know pass that along to the you know homeowners right that live in that development meaning that their monthly costs go up etc and and could potentially be prohibitive um, or these hoas could potentially go bk so i think they're still you know very much uh you know At the infancy of how this is going to play out in the marketplace, because even if we get these insurers to come back and we fix reinsurance and allow the insurance companies to pass on some of this increased risk and cost, you know, it doesn't mean that homeowners are paying cheaper premiums, ultimately, it just means that State Farm will be back and they'll be writing policies that meet their cost and they're more expensive. So there's still this kind of question of where the burden of this increased risk is going to land and I think ultimately, you know, Um, Buyers and sellers are going to be negotiating on this stuff. How bad do people want to live in these areas? How much are are homeowners willing to take it on the chin, um, you know, for the the increased cost of this homeowners will that start showing up in purchase price and offer prices and list prices. I think that's very much still. Um, you know, playing itself out in the early stages, but I think it's something that we're going to be keeping a close eye on because in addition to just all this crazy macro stuff, interest rates, economic growth, jobs, and all of that, there's some very like California and actually Florida's grappling with this too through flood insurance, um, but yeah. there's kind of unique California specific stuff that we're grappling with too that could hold the market back.
0: Yeah, and I think this is not just a I mean, of course, in the short term, we may see some fluctuation, but I think this is going to play out, you know,
1: more in the long term as well. I mean, it's decades, yeah. 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 What about new home sales? Can we get new construction then to the rescue? Because these meet a lot of those wildfire (laughs) standards and probably get a lot cheaper insurance on something that was just built. Is that – how's that looking?
0: Well, I I was going to ask because, you know, you you mentioned about, you know, possibly moving and, of course, new home sales or new homes is something that you probably have been looking into as well. And it does look like that, you know, there are more new homes being built. I mean, certain areas, probably a little bit more than others. Um, And uh, we are seeing, you know, developers, builders actually trying to take advantage of the fact that they they realize, okay, well, there is that lock-in effect, you know, then they jump in and uh, there are – we are seeing, you know, some new home sales in general, um, in the second quarter. Now I know that, you know, sales slipped a little bit, you know, in June. Um, uh, but, uh, in general, I think we will continue to see some improve, improvement in new constructions and improvement in new housing starts because of that opportunity of, you know, lack of supply. And we, we saw actually, you know, buyers actually moving, um, to buy a new home. Um, Because of the fact, I think you might have mentioned earlier, uh, yes, new homes, you know, they might have uh, uh, more fireproof uh, uh, that might help their insurance. But the other side of it also is their incentive, the incentive of, you know, buy down.
1: Right. Builders don't want to sit on empty buildings, right? They want to get people into those homes and get those homes off their their books. And so they'll, you know, kind of work with buyers and things like that. The other side on the buy side too, is I, you know, what I've heard from just talking to our members out in the field is even though um, buyer demand has started to come back, you know, and homes are selling quick again, buyers are still pretty picky. And, and I think that's also mm-hmm. an appeal of new homes as they're just kind of out of the box, turnkey, ready to go warranted, and all of that, um, kind of, kind of stuff. And, and so I think, you know, it's, it's, an opportunity. Obviously, California doesn't have a lot of new construction. I think That's right. a lot of that is happening in the South and places that are a little bit more friendly to, uh, to new construction. But we do have some building happening here. And I think we've been above 100,000 units now for a couple of years in a row, which is still you know, a fraction of what we need to build. But buyers, I think, do have those options. One of the interesting stats that you told me about was how um, people are buying, you know, stuff that's not even ready to go yet, right? That the percent yeah. of people who bought a home that was, that hadn't even started construction um was at like the highest level in a couple of years.
0: It is. And, and that's actually very interesting and a little surprise to me, but you know, of course I probably should not be surprised knowing how competitive the market has been in the resale market. And then we don't have enough in the resale inventory. So, you know, we're seeing more people just jump, you know, they figured, okay, well, I got to lock in because, you know, like you said, six, you know, maybe in your area, only six You know, houses are available and you have 20 different people and 20 people, 30 people were actually trying to hop on that property. So as soon as people realize, okay, well, there is a new home being built, you know, I got to jump on it. So I'm not surprised to see, you know, more people actually jumping on uh, homes that had not been even started. Yeah. Um and and that could be you know a continuation you know in in the third quarter and fourth quarter that's again shows how tough you know the supply is you know the in not only the 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 resale market but the
1: new home sales as well yeah definitely and i think you know again this is why even though sales are expected to stay low for us in california you know we have that kind of hanging on to the to the little rebound that we've had thus far but you know i think It just really underscores why, you know, our our members are needed more than ever. And I think the ones that really embrace that role is the trusted advisor. I mean, it's easy to forget, but now being a, you know, housing consumer, once again, you, you kind of realize just how much like having a good agent is such a huge asset because the financing environment, is so challenging. And we're having to get creative and find, you know, the right kinds of products, the right way to structure the deal. How do you uh, make your offer still attractive when the inventory is so tight and there might be other people with more money um, or, you know, all cash or what have you, and just kind of um, where you can push to get, you know, some kind of help on rate buy downs or ways that you can, you know, and things to look out for and things like that. I mean, there's just so many um, variables out out there and I know you know my my agent is absolutely crushing it and, <laughs> and I think that that is you know the kind of recipe for success moving forward because even though we're in a low transaction environment the transactions are actually pretty challenging right with appraisals and just the cost of everything and so again I think that's why I. I love working at CAR because we're a shilling for home ownership, which I think is one of the most kind of above board things you could ever be shilling for and and feel good about and look at yourself uh, in the mirror for and and the members that really embrace that role um, as trusted advisor, like, you know, she's helping me kind of get into something where I'd be kind of at a loss myself. It's not like I just look on Zillow, find something and call it a day and do everything myself. There's a lot going into this and, and, you know, she's earning every, every penny that she'll, she'll get. And I think that's, you know, the kind of silver lining is that on the one hand, there's all these challenges with the rates, with the economy, with inventory lock in effect, all of these things that we just spent an hour um, talking about, but that is, you know, why, why we're here is, you know, and this is where we really earn our keep. And so I would just, you know, recommend to our members that you just kind of embrace that, and take that elbow grease type of mentality and, and do anything and everything to really create home ownership for folks that may be sitting on the sidelines still thinking prices are coming down or rates are coming down or what have you. And I think um, that is why I'm, I'm still very uh, optimistic, even though we think it's going to be a slow six months as the rest of the stuff shakes its way out of the system.
0: I think it's going to get better. And, um, you know, we might be able to provide, as you mentioned, you know, we might be able to provide some macro big picture stuff. Uh, but many of our members, realtors, they are the local experts. They know what's going on, you know, at the local level. And uh, we definitely need their expertise and knowledge uh, for, you know, buying and selling in the market.
1: Yeah. So um, I wouldn't trade my realtor for a million bucks. And uh, and hopefully, you know, this is just a, a – sign that that again, we're near that bottom. Things are looking pretty optimistic. We uh, may indeed achieve that soft landing. And, and even if the economy slows, as we forecast, it's not going to be a major um, slowdown. And everybody still has jobs. So lots to be optimistic about. It's just a cautious optimism because there's still those wild cards that we'll have to navigate over the next six months. So um, what else should we be telling our members to tell their clients? Um, or should we call it a day and just keep our fingers? on the pulse and come back next time
0: i think we cover much everything uh and of course uh like always we always will have our short videos and our podcast you know posted um and you know as, as soon as we have some information but also just a reminder that you know in addition to what we're providing we also have you know in september a uh a big meeting coming up the big conference coming up and you and i will both be there yes yeah
1: yeah, we'll be there live. And we have both the kind of annual forecast. We'll be rolling out kind of everything that we've seen in the surveys, what's going on with consumers, what's going on in the MLS data. And of course, what our expectations going to be for the next 12 to 18 months. But then we're also hosting a really exciting um, econ panel. And Oscar's gotten a great uh, array of absolute experts that are, you know, at the top of their game in terms of what we do in economic analysis, including the chief economist for keeping current matters, Deputy Chief Economist from NAR. We've got Neil Stevenson, I think, from um, the Urban Institute to talk about home ownership and home ownership gaps and all of that kind of stuff. And then, of course, Oscar is going to be there um, with everything that he brings to the table and that kind of deep knowledge on California's market and economy. So I highly highly recommend i will be in the audience with uh you know eagerly kind of consuming all of that information but i sure hope you'll you'll join us i think it's even free to go right which where do you get a lineup yes. of economists like that for free so
0: yes uh and uh well a quick a quick corrections michael neils from urban institute um but also
1: um we will also have a booth at oh. uh, the uh you know uh, trade center Yes, we'll be there peddling our wares. And actually, it'll be cool. We have a whole interactive setup where we can, um, you know, actually pull up our website and walk you through a lot of the interactive data where you go to get shareable stuff. And we'll even have some takeaways that you can, um, you know, hand out to your buddies or your clients or what have you. So should be great all around. Look forward to seeing everybody sharing information, learning a lot. um, and, And it'll just be good to be back in person again and see everybody face to face. And and I'm sure you know between now and the next
0: uh uh between now and the REI Imagine conference we'll have a couple
1: more podcasts or we'll remind you and make sure that you guys will be there. Yep, and we'll make sure that you have any updates on what happens in the uh, economy and housing market. But until then, we hope you have a good one. We hope you put some buyers into homes and get those listings onto the MLS because I think that's ultimately um, what we need to have happen for this market to continue to get better. So thank you so much for your time and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. See you next time.